This is the Shenandoah Down Under podcast. In the final days of the American Civil War, the CSS Shenandoah set out on an epic year-long secret mission. Join your Australian hosts, Robert Love and Michael O'Brien, as they follow the last Confederate cruiser on its quest to find and sink the Yankee whaling fleet, wherever on the high sea they may find them. And hello, this is Shenandoah Down Under, or Confederate Pirates Save the Whales, with a Robin Mob, a Robert Love, and Michael O'Brien. I'm, I'm Rob. I know I'm Mob, and I'm chewing a biscuit. Very sorry about that. Oh, okay. So, so the, the, the foley effects of the biscuit chewing in this week's episode are, in fact, um, Brought to you by TikTok Biscuits. TikTok Biscuits. Now, TikTok Biscuits are one of those very old brands of biscuits that Australians love and remember from their childhood. But unlike... Unlike other things, for instance, Fruit Loops, which I think also Americans will love and remember from their childhood. But the great thing about Fruit Loops is Fruit Loops are like Proust's Madeleine. They taste exactly the same these days as they did in 1969. So it takes me effortlessly back to when I was five. The problem is somewhere along the line, the TikTok formula has been tampered with. They probably don't put the beef tallow or something it's, that, it's, that they used to. It's possibly something like that. And for people who are not Australian, a TikTok biscuit is a biscuit with um, icing on one side and a clock face on the other side. So if you are... So delicious and educational. Edu- so, just like this podcast. <laughs> so the Shenandoah Rob. Where are Although we? this podcast is chewier. Yeah, it's very true. And crunchy. <laughs> Where are we, Rob? We are in the a hundred and fifty years ago today. We are in we are in the Atlantic, and so um, uh, both uh, within striking distance of Charleston, I believe, two thousand three hundred miles from Charleston, and yes. fifteen days out of an English port. So um, they're they're heading towards the Irish Sea. So uh, the Shenandoah, as we know, is is heading back to a uh, a British port, an English port. Uh, they've now tra- been travelling for over a year, mm. and uh, Mr. Whittle, in his journal, which I'm now ruffling... Oh uh, dear, my, my PDF just so does not ruffle, it's, it's, it's so unfair of you. Um, he makes the point that they've now been at sea, this is on the uh, 24th of October, which was a couple of days ago, they've now been at sea for uh, 330 days... Mm. And it's been uh, 112 days since they saw land. Oh, God. And 195 days since we were on shore on the savage island of Ascension. And uh, since then, uh, and we've been ashore in a civilised place... It was 248 days ago, and I'm assuming that was Melbourne, Australia. I I think given that we are natives of Melbourne, Australia, we can say it was a civilised place. They went to church here. Yes. um, Ascension Island was, of course, uh, Ponape, up in uh, the North Pacific. So it's been quite a journey. So two weeks to go we've got before they think they're going to be back in in Liverpool. Mm, And I think they're they're about right. They they, they might just be uh, a little bit... uh, a little bit out, but yes, certainly we, we, we are coming 248 days since Melbourne. My gosh, we're, when we were down at Seaworks, um, 
drinking the special... Well, it's billed as a specially brewed Shenandoah beer, but basically, if you scrape the label, there was another label underneath. So I think the, the labels were specially, were specially uh, put together for the anniversary, but still. So that's when we saw Sam Craghead give his uh, presentation from the um, university, university, the Museum of the Civil War, give his mm-hmm. presentation. So it all just seems, just seems such a long way ago. So this is also, of course, the one-year anniversary of this podcast. We, we probably really should have 52 episodes, but what with your overseas travel habits, yes. uh, Michael. Um, and, uh, and, and German... Uh, German, German Wi-Fi. German <laughs> Wi-Fi in, in youth hostels, yes. But you know what? Um, that youth hostel we were staying in was 13 euros a night. Well, <laughs> look, there are some things that 13 euros a night obviously get you, as in yeah, a place to sleep. But, but no towels. Oh, yeah, but if, if, if you've read The Hitchhiker's Guide to Your Galaxy, you need to know where You'd your You'd have your own town, anyway. Fortunately, th- we went down to Lost Property, and we had our selection. They were <laughs> multicoloured. They were all different colours, but anyway. Well, I have to say, my wife, many years ago, was uh, at a youth hostel in uh, what had just very recently been East Germany. And uh, she was lying in bed of the morning, and there was a little hole in the wall. And she suddenly realised that, there was a, a little eye looking through the hole. Oh. And she was a, a little bit worried about a voyeur at first, but then she realised that the voyeur wasn't... Because the voyeur... The voyeur then started cackling loudly, and she realised that she was being spied upon by a chicken. So basically, <laughs> this this was a a youth hostel of such sophistication and savoir-faire that they had the chicken coop next to uh, next to the guest bedroom. Well, the, the youth hostel I stayed in wasn't quite like that. <laughs> I will say that. So uh, a couple of interesting things have happened in the journey over the last week. There are some sad news. Yes. There's some interesting scientific news, and we'll do that first. So on the 19th of October, mm. Mr. Whittle writes about seeing the most amazing, one of the most beautiful sights I ever saw. It was the annular eclipse of the sun. And an annular eclipse is when you have a full moon that goes right in front of the sun. Okay. So you just get that ring around it. And I remember seeing a annual annular eclipse of the uh, sun when I was quite young. I can tell you, you were you were ten because I was twelve, and I, I was in uh, year year seven at uh, Trinity Grammar School. And uh, our science teacher set us up. We had to take experiments because mm-hmm. the, the the temperature would drop. And I faithfully kept the kept the temperatures until until the actual eclipse. At which time I basically. I don't know, went feral or something. It was it was an amazing experience. It really was, mm. and I think it. Um, I, I think they said that there wouldn't be another one in Melbourne for, for hundreds of years or something like that. Well, but, this um, one uh, this one happened in the uh, in the in the Atlantic. So, so, so presumably the crew of the Shenandoah were one of the few people actually able to see it. Mm-hmm. He said it was uh, one of the most beautiful sights I ever saw. It commenced about two thirty p.m. and lasted until four. In the middle of it, the sun, the moon's disk was right in the centre of the sun, with a bright circle of the latter all around it, which is exactly what an annular mm. yes. eclipse is. But he goes on to say, it was really beautiful. All these things take my thoughts back to my dear ones, feeling assured that they are looking and admiring the same scene. All these things are sights admired at by all, however, separated by distance. Oh, once again, Mr. Whittle is uh, quite rightly uh, worried about his family back in the southern states and, and his and his dear Patty. But they have some other worries uh, this week going forward. So far, we've managed to circumnavigate the globe. Yes. Capture 
30-something ships. 38, I believe. And uh, pretty much not fired their guns in anger. I think they might have fired a few warning shots. Uh, and probably there. a few of those warning shots were a little bit miffed, if not yes. exactly angry. Yes, yes. yes. And uh, all of this without a single casualty or death on, on any side. Oh uh, yeah, no. I think probably probably there were a few casualties. I'm sure. Probably come on, there were there were a few broken arms. I'm sure, but but yes, death on 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 either side. So I have to say, it was, it was one of the more successful wartime operations of all time. I think. Yeah. So they've travelled over fifty thousand miles, but uh, I'm afraid to say in this week there's going to be some, be- some oh, sad news. Oh well. Sad news twice. In fact, there you go. Spoilers. Spoilers. Although I th- I think if we if we're sticking to our timetable. Um, there's some sad news for next week. Which we should, oh, okay. We, we should, oh, dear. Oops. Yeah. Miss, miss, uh, I'm sorry. Michael O'Brien misspoke uh, when, when, <laughs> and, and what he said is no longer operative. Okay. Now, now sorry, when was that annular eclipse of the sun? Was that, that was on the 19th oh. of October, 1865. And I just did really want to make sure, so I, I checked on that remarkable source, Wikipedia, and mm, found mm. there was indeed an annular eclipse on that day, and it was seen all around the world at different times, and... Different shapes and sizes, um, and the Mister Whittle has written about it in his journal. Um, his now, jur- didn't you say that he, he he seems to have cheerfully like looked straight at it for the entire period? Uh, I, I think so, which may explain why there is a note uh, a little bit further on. Nearing the end of the voyage, Mr. Whittle became erratic in his entries, and he's no longer doing the latitudes and courses and winds. Maybe he can't see very well. Maybe he's some because we were told we would like sunburn our eyeballs or something like that. We did, but yes. I remember cheerfully looking straight at it. And, and you know what? Yeah, so did I, and I think so did absolutely everybody. So anyway, anyway. yes. So that now, so well, Thursday, October the nineteenth, when they had that, um, of course, Surgeon Lining uh, also had a journal entry. Now, if um, if Doctor Maturin from the Aubrey Maturin novels had been, uh, you know, had been uh, during an annular eclipse, he would have, I'm sure, have made some extremely pertinent scientific observations. He and, would have also stared at it as well, yes, and yes. and and be blind for the next several chapters. Yeah, yeah, through, through a piece of smoked glass, I'm sure. Anyway. This day, one year ago, we hoisted the Confederate flag on board of this ship with light hearts and high hopes and with the expectation of having a very pleasant cruise. Actually, my memory of, of that is that it was a complete shambles and uh, they, they were all... And the officers actually had to um, chip in to... Ah, the yes, yes. Oh. We had worked hard, each one of us individually. Shall I ever forget that anchor? You know, oh, there I, you go. Yeah, yeah, I should say, I've... Uh, I've only been sailing a few times and uh, I had to pull on a rope once and I haven't forgotten it. Um, and we're willing to undergo many hardships for the sake of our cause. Now how different. We are fugitives seeking some place of safety with a likelihood that every man's hand is against us and that we may be delivered up to our enemies by those who, with whom we are going to seek shelter. We have no country the Confederacy has fallen from her high estate, dropped her shattered spear, and closed her high career. Gosh, that that rhymes. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure if he's quoting something. If it's um, if it's his own invention. Well, it's evocative. It? It's evocative. Oh, our ship is fast becoming a perfect hell afloat. Oh, and only wants a few more quarrels in the wardroom become entirely so. Today, only Manning and Blacker have come to blows. And how many more are on the tapis? Carpet. 
Tapas means carpet in French. That's the only... Maybe people are on the carpet for, for fighting. Um, I can't tell. Annular eclipse on the sun today. So, so he manages to dispose of the annular eclipse of the sun in one sentence uh, as an afterthought. Oh, th- this is his scientific observation. 3pm to 5.30pm, complete at 4.10. There you go. I, I think Stephen Matron would have done just a tiny little bit, uh, little bit more and on a, that. And a little bit less on the gossip. Uh, and, and a little bit less on the gossip, yes, yes. So we then move on to the very sad news that a crew member is... Oh. Well, actually, we have two crew members that are not well. Two of our men are very ill, Mr. Whittle talks about. One is by the name of William Bill, and he is described here as a Kanaka from the Sandwich Islands. And if you remember back to a, uh, an episode a while ago where we were talking to Dr. Justin mm. Vance from uh, Hawaii Pacific University about the number of uh, Hawaiians that were part of both the whaling trade and uh, shipping that was going on at that time of uh, the year, so uh, in, in that period. So he was one of those that was brought on board, and he's actually not been well for some time. And well, I think I presume also they, they would have picked him up past Ponape. So he's probably never been... Um, to the Arctic, which probably didn't help his health. That, but, but yes, so, so he, he's been... I think probably the, the Sandwich Islanders that they picked up got, got all of the, the 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 hard and difficult part of the cruise and, mm. uh, and none of none of the easy part. But um, so they're saying on the twenty third that he's insensible and dying and will probably breathe his last before morning. And I'm not sure if that is the case, but he does he does actually die, doesn't he? In the next uh, oh well, of days. well, shall we ask the doctor? Yes, yes, good idea. <laughs> Well, now, now there's, there's a little bit more to be get, going through because there, there, there's more news of uh, um, Friday, October the twentieth, eighteen sixty-five. Rain, all washing clothes and saving water for drinking because, of course, they're on very short rations. So, the instant it started raining, they would have got all their clothes out and mm-hmm. got every, every tub they could. Add McGuffany to the combative list. Wants to whip Hunt and Blacker either singly or together. Oh, okay. Oh, there, there you go. <laughs> Saturday, October the 21st, 1865. Talked flags with a large English ship, the Shenandoah only saying that she's bound for Hull, not giving her name. Well, that's an omission and a lie. There you go. Lee diverted the men's attention by coercing, with the help of a little whiskey, all the dancers among the men to entertain them all. The master-at-arms, McLaren, tells Hunt a hard yarn about his wife, who he had married near Honeysuckle, which is near Double-Headed Bay, and about 84 miles from Lumba Rumba, Australia. I'm from Australia, and I've never heard of Lumba Rumba. It's a shame I haven't, because it's such a wonderful name. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. um, Now, um, oh. We just took a quick break, which through the magic of editing, uh, hopefully appears seamless to you to take a quick look up of Lumber Rumba. Now, we can find no Lumber Rumba in uh, Australia, but there is a Tumba Rumba in New South Wales. It's quite uh, a way inland. Oh, well, yeah. I guess he may have been there. And uh, it's quite near Mount Kosciuszko, uh, Australia's highest mountain. Yes, 7,000 7, and something feet. Let, let, let's not have any more seamless edits. It, it, Mount Kosciuszko is 7,000 and, and 7, feet and change. So, so, so there you go. So, um, ah dear, Sunday, October 22, 1865. Sergeant Cadding put on deck at his request. 
He was placed under a boat which was covered with canvas. I thought it better than to letting him fret himself to death in his bed. Now, Sergeant Canning, for uh, those of us who uh, need to recall back, he came on board in Melbourne, didn't he? Yep, he he was a man of mystery. He was an Englishman who nevertheless claimed he was on uh, part of... Um, General Leonidas Polk's staff at the Battle of Shiloh, I believe. Yes, right? and, and he also, Manning, um, sorry, 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 Midshipman Mason had already met him because he was on the boat, the ship, that when, when, when Mason sailed to England in, I think, 1863, he was on the boat and he was then with his wife, who was never heard of again. Um, and then he suddenly appeared in Australia a year later. So, yes, quite who he was, or, or you know, it's all very mysterious. And uh, here, I, I, I'd always just for some, I don't know why, but pictured in my mind that he was some elderly old chap. But he's he's actually described here as a young Englishman. And I knew he was an Englishman. I just didn't realise he was young. But he's he'd suffered a uh, an injury. Well, uh, which he claims was at the Battle of Shiloh when he was on part of uh, General the Bishop uh, Leonidas Polk's um, staff. Well, um, no, no, no. Again, Doctor Lining, um, a little bit later, does say he certainly had a, had a gunshot wound. So, and, and <laughs> Lining would know, being a being a military surgeon. But okay, so 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 poor old Sergeant Canning is sick. Monday, October twenty three, eighteen sixty five. Canning much worse. William Bill, a Kanaka, sick with convulsions. I thought he would die in five minutes. He was nearly pulseless, hands cold, but by 10pm he began to revive. I hardly expect him to live through the night. Oh, dear. Tuesday, October the 24th, 1865. Bill, much better, sitting up and talking sensibly. Canning, no better. Oh, Oh, dear, dear, oh, dear. And, you know, while this is going on, it had a bit of a scare. Oh. Because uh, the day uh, they had the eclipse, and then a few days later, actually it was on the 25th of October, a oh. day that I'm going to say is uh, also significant, the 25th of October, oh. 1865. Cause it was your minus 150th birthday? It was my <laughs> minus... 200th yes. birthday. It was actually my minus 100th birthday. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Because uh, I was born on... October the 25th, 1965. But anyway, on October the 25th, 1865, uh, Whittle describes how uh, about 4pm they noticed a ship that was uh, two points to the port, bow, bearing, standing two to the westward, and she was made out to be a brig with great drift between her masts no mainsail, staysail, or studding sails, or royal set. This, of itself, made her clearly no merchant vessel. Ah, right. Uh, very soon she was seen to get on the same tack as ourselves, and standing higher than we was, crossing our bow. Now, this looked very, very suspicious to them. They were very, very worried about this, because... They suspected that there were Union warships that were out to capture capture the Shenandoah, or um, as they've called it here, the Shenanigan, oh. which I thought was uh, <laughs> quite witty. Um, so, 
they actually did do something, the sort of thing that uh, Captain Aubrey would have done oh, in yes. the Aubrey Maturin series. They, um, as soon as it got dark, they wore, they wore short around and they actually got up steam. And then uh, they took in all sail and steamed dead to windward for 16 miles. So in other words, they sailed straight into the wind. Yes. Under full steam as quickly as they could. And you see, they were also able, because I think that because they were able to drop their, their smokestack, um, if you were seeing them during the day, as presumably this, this other ship was, you wouldn't necessarily know that they were a steamer. They were a steamer, very clever. Mm-hmm. They also put out all their lights as well. Yes. So he says here that if she be a Yanker, Yankee, she will be somewhat astonished tomorrow to find no vessel in sight. Uh, but but on the other hand, we'll no doubt conclude that it really was the shenanigan. <laughs> but she will have a sweet time finding us as we'll remain under steam until we get a good breeze. So uh, this was probably their biggest fright that they've had on their, their trip back because they were doing their best to be not noticed by anybody at all. They never actually greeted any ships that passed by or put up flags or anything else. Mm-hmm. And I think if it was, in fact, a, uh, a Yankee vessel, and we can't really find any conclusion that it was. Mm, um, mm. I remember Sam Craighead, in his speech, more or less said that that was unlikely. Um, but that was very suspicious behaviour of uh, what the Shenandoah did there by, by getting away. Well, I think, I think that is the issue, too. They are getting into very populated sea lanes. You know, they're, they're, not, they're not sort of going round, uh, you know, so then on the 26th, uh, they had no sight of the, the ship that they'd noticed the day before. Whittle says that he's convinced it was a Yankee gunboat, and uh, they remained under steam all day. So they're hightailing it as fast as they, they are, can. They are skedaddling it with their... With, with their they must have been running very low on coal, and also they, they need coal to make to make fresh water. Yes, so this so, is pretty desperate uh, desperate behaviour. So, uh, William Bill dies oh, on that day. Yes, yes, yes. Twenty sixth of October. He died at five p.m. And Whittle here um, says five oh five p.m. Well, I'll have to defer to. Yeah, the do you want the executive officer's description, or do you want the uh, the, the surgeon's? Well, I will just say that the uh, the executive officer says that he was such a sufferer that we cannot regret that he is relieved. So, yes, and, and look, I have to say, Lining goes into some details as to his suffering, which is a. Basically, realise what life was like uh, pre-penicillin. So again, yes, uh, Thursday, October the twenty twenty-six, at five o five p.m. William Bill, a native of Maui, one of the Sandwich Islands, died. He died so easily and suddenly that they who were with him thought that he was asleep. So I was not called until after he was dead. Poor fellow. He had been suffering from venereal for a long time and was covered with ulcers all about the throat and chest. It must have attacked his internal organs as well, as he had all the symptoms of subacute inflammation of the brain and chest. Mm. I had very little hope that he would live for some time now, but he went off more suddenly than I expected. He is the first of our ship's company whose death has carried off. I can only hope it will be the last, though I hardly can expect it to be. 
da, 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 da. Well, that's, that's of course referring to, to, <laughs> to poor old Mr. Canning with poor his, old with Mr. his uh, Canning. bullet wound. So uh, there's a burial at sea well, that, uh, that follows. Uh, look, I, I hope um, I hope Whittle writes about, about it a little more sentimentally because um, poor old William Bill, uh, which of course would not have been his... Uh, well, it's a joke name, like like Bickers Stickers. Yes, yeah. yes. But uh, Friday, October 8, 27th, 1865, Bill buried at sea, Captain Waddell himself reading the burial service. The whole thing was badly managed. Oh, Body thrown into no. the sea from the poop. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. Uh, no, he Whittle doesn't actually say anything <laughs> quite so snide. He just says that the remains of poor William Bill were committed to the deep. And we half-mastered our poor downtrodden flag. So oh. uh, it's a bit weird that William Bill is buried with a Confederate flag, but there you well, go. Well, he was he was on board a Confederate ship, so I think, uh, yep. you know, they, they, half, they did lower it to half-mast. So, yes. Uh, I could not be plunged into the depths of thought connected with it, which made me still more melancholy. Our poor downtrodden country, our weeping flag. We are, as it were, the rearguard armies of the South. And by this point, they're really, really <laughs> rearguard. That's all I can say. They're the rear of the rearguard. Yes. yes. This is our first and I trust our last death on board, although poor Mr. Canning is nearly gone. Oh, gosh. Dot, you're, you're dot, almost, dot. yes, there's lots of dot, dot, dots there. Well, now I do have to say, I think that is... Um, uh, probably the first time that Dr. Lining has mentioned one of these Sandwich Islanders with, without working in a, you know, a snide racist reference, to be frank. So obviously, you know, Bill bore his, bore his venereal disease with, uh, with, with, uh, you know, with great dignity, fortitude. with great fortitude. And, um, and there you go, the, the, the first death aboard the, uh, aboard the Shenandoah. Well, I, I think on that note, really, I, 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 well, Mr. Canning is still alive. Um, it is, yes, it is, and let's leave him so till, ne- till, 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 till next week. The very opening part of next week's episode, <laughs> that's all I have to say. Oh, you, you, you're, you're a terrible one for the... Anyway, Mr. Canning, the... Uh, He's the, hanging on. The mysterious aide-de-camp is, uh, is hanging on by a thread at this moment. But will he ever get to see his poor wife again? Is she expecting... Spoilers, to- no. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Okay, well, on that note, on that note, this has been um, the 49th episode. 49th episode wow. of Shenandoah Down Under or Confederate Pirates Save the Whales with a Robert Mob, a Robert Love, and Michael O'Brien. I was Rob. And I am still Mob. Tally ho. And aloha. <laughs> <laughs>